Welcome to season four of the Eccles Business Buzz podcast. I'm your host, Francis Johnson, and I'm so glad to have you back. Join us this season as we explore the Eccles School value of confidence to impact your world. We'll hear from students, alums, and other friends of the David Eccles School of Business, all about the people and experiences that have impacted them, the ways they are impacting others, and what we can all do to build confidence in our own ability to make a difference. Today, we kick things off with the godfather of impact investing himself, Jim Sorensen. Jim is a world-renowned entrepreneur, business leader, and impact investor. He has built highly successful companies in industries ranging from technology and life sciences to real estate and private equity investment, and he is celebrated as a pioneer in the impact investing sector. In 2013, Jim provided the David Eccles School of Business with a $13 million endowment to create the Sorensen Impact Center with the mission of cultivating impact investing expertise in students and building the social impact field. Since its inception, 450 students have gone through the program, overseeing more than 50 investments and managing $27 million in capital with 11 exits and 5 IPOs. In 2022, Jim and his wife Krista made another transformational investment to help establish the Impact and Prosperity Epicenter at the David Eccles School of Business. This 300,000 square foot living learning space will help equip the next generation of leaders with social purpose and help sharpen the world's understanding of impact investing and approaches to sustainable economic development. Welcome, Jim, and thank you for being here today. Thank you. It's great to be with you. And I'm very flattered and appreciate the introduction you've given to me. I hope to live up. I have no doubt. (laughs) Francis, thank you. (laughs) Jim, we refer to you as the godfather of impact investing, but you have credited your own parents actually with introducing you to the idea of positive social impact really sparking your passion in that space. Tell us about your parents, their work, and the impact that it had on you. Yes. Well, thank you. And I I think we can all credit along the way those that have really helped to shape us in our journeys. And certainly my my parents were very fundamentally involved in that. My father is really, I think, a renowned investor, entrepreneur in the state of Utah. And his early business successes were really in the medical device industry as a pioneer in establishing that here in uh, the Salt Lake Valley. My mother was one that was very empathetic and also an entrepreneur, but more of a social entrepreneur in her approach. She loved the arts, she loved children, and she loved education. And she figured out a way to be able to integrate art back into elementary education that's really scaling now throughout the state. And so this DNA that I had helped me to really understand the world of business and investing but also looking at ways that could benefit people. And that really is what impact investing is all about. And this marriage of business and social impact, it's kind of a new space, right? What was it about this synergy between business and impact that you thought, oh, this could be something? Yeah, and I think that probably has to do a lot with the journey that kind of led me to that that realization. This was well before the term impact investing had been coined. And 
you know, it was not well known in philanthropic spaces or really even in business. And I had a business that at the time was focused on the mass market for video conferencing. This was in the early 2000s. It relied really on a convergence of technology and partners and investors coming to us. And we developed a great solution for this. And right at the juncture of the dot-com bubble burst, we were raising money because we were running through money quite rapidly. And we had a term sheet from one of the leading venture firms. And this was the day before the bottom fell out. <laughs> of the market. And everybody just closed up shop. I didn't know what to do at that point. We were burning capital at an alarming rate and uh, nobody wanted to talk to us. And it was right at that juncture that a deaf brother-in-law that I'd hired sometime before because he'd had a difficult time finding a job. And I felt like there might be a market in the deaf community came to me with a new service that was being trialed for the deaf community to enable them to communicate with the hearing population in a much more fluent and a natural way. It was called Video Relay Service, and it enabled the deaf to communicate with the hearing through a remote sign language interpreter over the internet in real time. He came to me with this, and I had to make a decision. Do I pivot the company on this relatively small niche market? Do I close up the shop? What do I do? And I made the decision to go all in for uh, video relay service and form Sorensen Communications. And it was an immediate success. It grew overnight to within less than three years become really one of the largest, if not the largest, private equity transactions when we sold it in 2005. And it was a great financial success, a great business success, but I found that I was being referred to as the Alexander Graham Bell of the deaf community. And I don't know that that was deserved, but it really created in me the profound aha moment that you could address a social problem or benefit society in a more scalable, self-sustaining way through a business solution because you could access much larger pools of capital than you might be able to in the philanthropic world or in the government space, you also had a cash flow model to help the growth and the scale of the business. And that really led me on the path. And from that point forward, I thought, if I want to express my philanthropy, if I really want to help people and make a difference, I need to figure out how I can employ impact investing as a tool to do so. I think the thing that's so remarkable about this story is that not only was it a financial success, but it made a huge impact in the deaf community, right? Even in a business sense, improving employability, improving opportunities for people in that community to really succeed in a way that they hadn't been able to before. And it scaled so quickly. It was reaching millions within a relatively short period of time. And, you know, that's the difficulty quite often in the social space is how do you really move the needle, so to speak, on getting to these very underserved populations? I'm told anecdotally that it increased the employability of the deaf by about 4x. So it, it did have a profound effect on that population. 
yeah, the definition of impact, right. right? And moving quickly, I think, like you say, sometimes these social problems that we're trying to solve seem so overwhelming and it's difficult to gauge progress. But with a business model, we're able, like you say, to move the needle so much more quickly. So this marriage of business and social impact is really at the heart of impact investing. And the idea I think as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, is that businesses can either through their own efforts or by investing in a social impact organization, I think the phrase you use is they can do good while they're doing well, right? So businesses are succeeding financially and then they're able to take those business returns, that financial benefit, and invest it in an organization, in a cause that can then do good in a community. Right. And really, there's a rich and deep number of what I'll call social entrepreneurs. These are entrepreneurs that have businesses and business models, some of them potentially really disruptive in terms of the impact that are out there looking for investment, that need investment, that need mentors, that need at some stage the growth capital now that they're, they may be market rate and in a venture portfolio like Sorensen Communications was. It was certainly profitable and growing. And then on the other side, you know, very early stage that need this programmatic, program-related investments that foundations can provide or very early stage impact investors. So it's a very robust field that is out now that's developed and a lot of sectors of impact that deal with, I would say, poverty or livelihoods or financial inclusion or access to education, you know, health and well-being. I mean, these are all big categories now that companies fall under that have solutions and products that help to benefit society or solve problems. Your experience with Sorensen Communications was sort of your first taste of this business approach to a social issue, and that developed into the idea for the Sorensen Impact Center itself at the U and at the Eccles School. Tell us about that. Bridge those two experiences for us. How did you move from one to the other? After I had sold Sorensen Communications, I, I took a look. I was looking for other business models that might be able to replicate what was done there. And I kind of found microfinance and many people in the world don't have access to capital. And really you need, you need capital, sometimes very small loans, even just to buy an asset to develop a livelihood, to improve a standard of living or provide education for your children. And so I found success with a number of organizations that were focused in microfinance, fine organizations like Mentors International and Unitas and so forth. But I realized also that you really needed an ecosystem, ultimately, to be able to engage capital and educate investors and create a marketplace. And there really wasn't, there weren't intermediaries or places to go for this type of expertise. I'd had an experience at the University of Utah in helping them raise a student-staffed, essentially, venture fund that worked alongside venture capitalists, was supervised well with the staff at the University of Utah, and gave students a really an unsurpassed and experiential education 
in venture capital. And it was at that point that I thought, this is the model that could possibly work for impact investing. And I, at that point in time, endowed the Sorensen Impact Center to give students this kind of experience where they may be doing market research, they may be helping to find deals, they may be helping to underwrite investments. They do that for our, our foundation. They do very credible work. They get a great experience. And it's at a fraction of the cost if I were to go to find a consultant or a third party to do that. And so that's the role that the Sorensen Impact Center has played. And, you know, since that time, students have really been able to get a great experience and go on to great careers in the space with this programming of impact investing embedded in them. You mentioned some of the opportunities that they have, and I think the things that students are able to do at the Sorensen Impact Center are so interesting and really varied. So talk us through some of these experiential learning opportunities that they have. They're investing real money, managing real investment portfolios. What else are they doing? So for our foundation, we'll make probably 10 program-related investments a year. And we have a, a very large funnel process. So a lot, of, a lot of these social entrepreneurs that have great ideas, some of them better than others, ultimately, we need to really winnow them down to the very best and then go through a process to underwrite whether or not we want to make a programmatic investment in them. And the students of the center, there's a staff of about 30 there at the center that really help to supervise, mentor and teach them, but they really provide the human capital to help us do that. And then they get the opportunity to come after they've written an investment memorandum and pitch this investment before an experienced investment committee. And then they're really put to the test. And this is an experience that you just don't get in a typical classroom. It's something that is really great on a resume, ultimately, for them when they go into workplace. And these students have been able to ultimately get great careers in the space. We have one student that is now helping to manage the Norwegian Wealth Sovereign Wealth Fund, that portion that is focused on impact. And this is literally billions of dollars. We have another student that is really quite involved in the impact program for the large major healthcare provider that's interested in impact investing because it really addresses the social determinants of health that was really important to their patient base. So these are just a couple of examples of where students, having gone through the program, really come out with a great experience that enables them to get tremendous opportunities in the workplace. And you know, one of the things we're talking about this season isn't just positive impact, social impact, but the confidence that it takes to believe you can make an impact. What do you think is the relationship between these experiences that students have at the center and building that confidence to go out and say, yeah, I can manage billions of dollars worth of Norwegian sovereign funding. Not everyone has the belief to step into something like that. What is it about these experiences that really prepares them Well, I think they're really multifaceted. We talked a little bit about the investing team at the center. There's also a data science team. And that team is really focused on 
data systems that would measure and report the impact over time and help organizations, whether it be the sovereign wealth fund or a large healthcare provider, really know what impact that the investments that they're making. Because it really is a double bottom line. We're measuring not only financial results, but we're measuring social impact. How many lives are being impacted? What are the outcomes that result from that? This is also part of the work that's done at the Sorensen Impact Center. That's really powerful, I think, to be able to quantify the difference that you're making. So often we don't get to see it or we don't know how to measure it. And that can make it harder to really have confidence in what we're doing. But to be able to really see it on paper almost, not only am I making a financial success, but I can also quantify my impact is really a boost. It's an important thing for us. We do that at the foundation. At the last report, we were reaching about 600 million people globally in terms of the impact that the foundation, through its program-related investments, and then the mission-related investments, which are the market rate returns and the companies that are addressing impact, but also generating market rate returns. We also look at how they're doing that, where they're doing that, and how they're growing and you know how committed they are to maintaining their impact mission. I also feel like work like this just makes you feel good. And that also makes you feel confident, right? To know that you're doing something worthwhile that really does make a positive difference. Yeah. And I think that that's why this resonates with students, the next generation. Surveys would show that when they make their investments, their values being consistent with their investments are really important to them. I think we're seeing that more in the traditional markets as impact investing is growing. And investors, they want to invest with a conscience. This has grown rapidly to where it's really moved out of the shadows in terms of where it is in the market to where impact investing is now in the, in the minds of most investors. You bring up a great point, which is also something we're talking about this season, just how important making a positive impact is to the current generation of students in university, alums going into their first jobs, that they really are interested in working for companies that are aligned with their values, investing their money in places that are aligned with their values. What do you think it is that is really motivating these students, right? Sorensen Impact Center now in its 10th year. I'm curious if you've seen a change over time or what you think is really motivating today's students to be propelled by this really true desire for positive social impact. Well, I think there are a number of factors, but I, I think the students of this generation come much more aware of the human condition. And I think they are more interested in utilizing their talents and their abilities and their time to contribute to and address these things, particularly things of inequality or things that affect our planet and the risks that we face in the world today. It's getting harder and harder to ignore. I feel like things that maybe. 10 years ago, a generation ago, we could sort of say, well, that doesn't 
touch me or it's not going to touch me. Those things are all getting closer to all of us. They are. And almost instantaneously. How do you feel about the future of social impact and impact investing as you look at the students who are involved now? I always come away really enthused and optimistic after an investment committee session with the students where they've worked hard on an investment. They have a recommendation. They want to defend their investment thesis and they pour it out. Then you can see that it's really important to them. And, you know, they do really good work. I think as far as the space is concerned that I'm encouraged with the growth. I think as you look at it, in some measures, we've passed a trillion AUM in terms of thematic impact investments. If you look at sustainable investments or ESG and combine that, a third of the AUM assets under management today are managed that way. I've seen some estimates as high as $5 trillion for impact investing. And as we looked at the many intractable problems, issues that humanity face, and you know the UN has really tried to look at those and measure them and establish the UN 17 Sustainable Development Goals, and we often use those as sectors of impact that we invest into, there's been estimates as much as $176 trillion to be able to address these factors of zero poverty and no hunger and equitable access to education. I'm really heartened that with the progress that we're making in impact investing, if we continue on this trajectory and path, and it's a growth rate of about 40% a year, that we're really going to be able to make a meaningful dent in creating a much more sustainable and equitable world that we live in. You mentioned... The Sorensen Impact Center idea, the birth of that idea really being about building an ecosystem of impact investing, of positive social impact. Do you feel like that infrastructure now exists? Lots of money, lots of awareness, or are there still things that you hope, pieces that need to come into place that you're still working to build? You know, I think it's a work in progress. There needs to be more funds, more fund managers that are investing for impact. There need to be more companies as part of the ecosystem. So the center is quite involved in that. I think the other thing that we've really come to find that you know people want to know how we did what we did. And so we've recently established the Sorensen Impact Advisory, which really helps advise others that may want to do what we've done, maybe move a portion of their portfolio to be aligned with their values in impact investing and really want to know where to go and where are the invest best investments to be able to do that. These are the kind of things that help to build the ecosystem to engage more capital. And we're excited to see others do it and to support them because it really is a, a very collaborative process. And if you can engage really the sectors of academia, of government, of nonprofit, of foundations, and the impact investors in a common effort, you can really move mountains in terms of advancing impact investing. It really takes everyone. It really does. I want to talk a little bit more about the business side of it because 
we're not just talking about making investments in companies with a product or a mission that's related to positive social impact. But I feel like businesses more generally have an opportunity either through their business practices, the way they source their labor, the way they treat their employees, the way they use materials, right? Their carbon footprint, there are opportunities in the business space, but outside of investing in businesses for businesses themselves to also be involved in social impact. How do you convince a company to invest in themselves and their own opportunity for positive social change? I think that's a good question. And I think it brings up really an important kind of definition. We've talked a lot about impact investing, and that really is investing in businesses whose business model or products and services directly impact a social good. So it's addressing poverty or it's addressing access to education or healthcare. What you're talking about are businesses that may not necessarily be directly their products and services, but their policies and management of, say, the environment and the emissions that they might be making in the environment or other practices that would affect the environment or the way they treat their employees, their supply chains, their communities, or it could be governance. You know, how diverse are they? These investments are in a class called sustainable or ESG. And so when I talked about the assets under management, the biggest portion of those are the investments that people are making in businesses that are now running their businesses with a strategy to incorporate these factors that affect the environment, social or governance best practices in their companies. And what it ultimately provides investors, I believe, is in the long run, a better investment because these companies have been shown to outperform over time those that don't incorporate these practices. There's some controversy about that. There's some political differences in that point of view. But I firmly believe that measuring these factors become very material in the ultimate performance, the long-term performance of the companies that investors invest in. I think that's a great business case. And I, I hope the, the corporate space, it seems like, is moving away from this idea of we don't want to put a bunch of money into something that isn't going to give us an immediate return. I think a lot of companies, regardless of the industry or the space that they're operating in, are really worried or interested in the impact that they're making on their employees and their communities and the environment and all of those global factors. But there also is a business case. Like you say, these companies that invest internally in diversity and in impact in the spaces that they influence outperform just on a bottom line balance sheet companies that don't. That's right. And that has been generated over time has really supported what you've just said, that when you invest for sustainability, that you're going to generate a better return over time or you're going to be more successful. I also think this goes back to what we were saying before about students, right? This Gen Z, millennials and Gen Z in college, graduating from college, going into their first jobs, that they also don't want to work for companies 
this is a generalization, but a lot of them don't want to work for companies that aren't addressing those factors internally either. So not only do you perform better on the front end, but you can attract the talent, the skills. Very good example. I mean, if you're a company that is shortcuts in those areas, you're not going to be able to attract the highest caliber of employees that are going to be attracted to companies that provide and manage for their welfare. And over the long term, that company is going to perform better because they've got better talent. These Sorensen Impact Center graduates are not going to want to work for your company if you're not invested in positive <laughs> social impact. <laughs> well, Jim, we've talked about the ecosystem, the role that Sorensen Impact Center has played in that. You recently made another really generous and transformational gift to the Echo School to help create the Impact and Prosperity Epicenter. Talk to us about how that advances the mission of the Sorensen Impact Center how it will layer on helping prepare students to really make positive social change. How is this the next step? Well, I think it is in a number of very innovative ways. I think the idea was really pioneered by the Pierre Lassonde and the Lassonde Center. And of course, this center was really designed for student housing that was needed on campus, but also to provide really a 24-7 environment, a learning environment for students where they could engage, interact. And as their whole program was focused on entrepreneurism, really become entrepreneurs in a space that essentially a, an incubator learning startup center, so to speak. Very successful. And the financial modeling on it was also successful because the facility, the housing, created a cash flow that was really dedicated to go back into supporting the program and scholarships for students. We're basically leveraging off of that model for the epicenter. And it's not just me, it's also Bob and Lynette Gay, who have the Health and Prosperity Center that they have established. It's very complementary to IMPACT. But this will provide nearly 800 housing, on-campus housing units for students and also a lot of programmatic space and an endowment, so to speak, that will fund the programs, the activities, and scholarships for students. It's, again, a great impact investment when you look at it, even though it was a donation, because it has this scalable recurring impact. And who knows, maybe students that ultimately go through the program go out in the world and generate and scale their own impact. So when you make one ripple into a pond, it's amazing how far it can reach. I also think I love with the Lassonde Studios, with the new Impact and Prosperity Epicenter, this idea that as we immerse ourselves in these disciplines, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's health, prosperity, whether it's positive social impact and impact investing, these things become part of the fabric of our whole lives, not just our job, not just our studies, but they start to flow into everything that we do. Is that another thing that you're hoping comes out of the epicenter? Yeah, I, I hope that really what it does is really contribute to building this ecosystem. And that this ecosystem will be really enabling 
and motivating to where people are making, when they're making an investment decision, a component of that decision is the impact that it will have on society. Such a big impact on the campus, housing and investment in student programs. Your footprint at the U is large and so appreciated. Tell us outside of the university, what areas are you focusing on at the moment trying to make a difference? Yeah. Well, I think part of the Sorensen Impact Group is the asset management. And that really is a series of funds that we're establishing that focus on really underserved sectors of impact. The first one, impact real estate, is Catalyst. And Catalyst focuses on really, I think, five main areas of impact in real estate, particularly in areas where they're distressed or struggling or you know lack of capital. So affordability is certainly one area. Economic development, we'd like to see within the areas that we develop, again, an ecosystem for job creation and upward mobility, access to services. So many of the, the locations may be food deserts or may lack a health clinic. I think environmental sustainability is another important aspect of the impact with Catalyst. And then inclusion, and that is you know really including the people that live there in the communities and the leaders within the community to build something that really enhances the community. So that's one area. The other area, fund that we've established is Enable Ventures. And Enable Ventures focuses on the about a billion and a half people in the world that have some form of disability, growing to about two and a half billion in the next 20 years. So a very large part of our population really underinvested. There aren't funds per se that are focused on disability. And yet there are amazing companies that are developing products or services that help those with disability be able to get jobs, meaningful jobs, to be able to assist them in their lives, to have a much more meaningful life and lifestyle. These are but two examples of the asset management group and the funds that we're establishing there. I feel like Enable Ventures really takes you back to your own start. Yeah. And a great example. You know, when you look at the different types of disability, it's amazing what and how new technologies can really help address those that have disability. I mean, we've invested in one company that's developed a neural sleeve that has uh, electrodes. It's a wearable that has electrodes that are interwoven and artificial intelligence that will trigger the right electrode at the right moment to enable those that have stroke or MS or muscular dystrophy to be able to walk again. So, you know, very powerful developments like that, that can be very successful companies, but are really addressing real needs in disability. Jim, we started talking about your parents, their impact on you, your path, this synergy between business and positive social impact. Is there anyone else who's made a big impact on you? Oh, gee, I, you know, there are so many in the space that are pioneers. You look at people and you think they invented this, but really they're standing on the shoulders of someone else. And that's the case for me. I can't say that, I mean, I, I may be considered a pioneer, but Muhammad Yunus had come up with a model to be able to address a way to get to the unbanked that 
was so fundamental. He certainly is one that I greatly admire in what he's done. You look at someone like Paul Farmer, Doctors Without Borders, and the access to healthcare and the, the literally millions of people that now have had some access to healthcare as a result of his early efforts. These are but some of the examples that I admire, and there, there are just many, many more out there. I think you said it perfectly, a ripple out into a pond. We're all building on something that someone else did who built on something that someone else did to really move the needle. I think that's what it's all about. And the more we can come together to make that happen, the faster it will happen and the bigger the result. Jim, thank you so much for joining me today to kick off this season. I enjoyed our conversation so much. Thank you. And thank you for joining me for season four of the Eccles Business Buzz podcast. We'll be back in two weeks to continue our discussion of the great work the Sorensen Impact Center is doing, and new episodes will drop every other Thursday after that. Subscribe to Eccles Business Buzz wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode, and be sure to leave us a rating and a review too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Eccles Alumni for all the latest news from your Eccles Alumni Network. Eccles Business Buzz is a production of the David Eccles School of Business and is produced by University FM. Until next time.